Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Dime Dropper for another 2021-22 post-game recap. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and of course, follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. I know it's been around four or five days since I've been on the mic. Tonight, we're going to talk about the Clippers and the Warriors, a game that just concluded tonight. Uh, I can briefly talk about the Clippers-Knicks game. That was a disaster, but honestly, a lot of the things overlap between that game and this game, so we'll just kind of get into it with the Clippers-Warriors game because I feel like the story of both games can kind of be told in one. And I can go over a little bit of the Russell Westbrook situation and LeBron scoring 56 points after the Clipper recap, which was very impressive the other night. And then we can also talk very briefly about the Russell Wilson trade and what I think about that. And then I'll take your questions. Live recap. Make sure to share their live. Uh, if you're on Twitter, Instagram, or you want to get any of your friends in here, throw that live up, share it, whatever. Make sure you leave a comment for the algorithms after the video ends. But let's get into it. Clippers and Warriors, this was our fourth and final meeting against these guys. They've been slipping lately without Draymond Green. You know, it's been tough. You know, Clay back in the lineup. Jordan Poole's been moved to the bench. You know, Wiggins has, you know, obviously gotten hit. Some of his shots taken away. Clay's. Every time I watch the Warriors shooting every chance he gets to try to get himself back into rhythm. And sometimes it feels like he's forcing it a little bit, kind of hijacking the offense. And tonight was no different in the first quarter. He came out and was shooting a lot. And honestly, I was pretty comfortable with it because he was two for nine in the first quarter. And Steph was only two for three. He was only getting three shots. And you know, every time we play the Warriors, anytime any team plays the Warriors, the game plan is to make sure Steph Curry doesn't beat you. Make sure you get the ball out of his hands by any means necessary. And that was no different for us. He barely got any clean looks tonight. But the first quarter, we struggled to score so much that we couldn't take advantage of the Warriors only scoring 21 points in the first quarter. So, and that's a big reason. A big reason of that is Klay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins have really good size and are strong. You know, in terms of, they had a small ball lineup to start. It was Kevon Looney at the five. Wiggins basically at the four spot guarding senior um, and then or Wiggins guarding Batum and then Clay guarding senior and you know I always say that in the 2000s I think senior would have been a three just based on his shooting ability and you know the way he scores and the way he moves and he's only six eight he's just kind of bulky but he doesn't rebound well enough for a power forward of the 2000s or the 90s um, or, or you know play interior enough. So I think he would have been more of a three in that era. But in this area, he's a four. And usually he can kind of score on skinnier threes. But Klay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins have long arms and are strong. So we didn't get any advantage there. And so you know what I always say about our team without Norman Powell, Kawhi, and Paul. If Marcus Morris Sr. and Reggie Jackson are not hitting, we have a very hard time scoring. That was the case the other night against New York. And that was the case again tonight. And you know what didn't help either was if it's a Zubat's not getting off to a good start. And it was another 
you know, I don't want to say another. It was a poor Zubats night. You know, he was one of our best players. He's been one of our best players this whole season, but he had a really good stretch of games in that five-game winning streak we had, and now these two blowouts, he's been really poor. You know, he was 0 for 6 tonight, 4 points, you know, 4 or 4 from the line. He should have gotten more free throws. We already know what happens when Zoo doesn't get calls. He gets discouraged. He starts going up soft, and you can really tell Zoo when he's trying to dominate, when he's really playing aggressive, when he's embracing contact, when he's going up strong, and when he's, you know, putting up shots kind of soft, kind of flailing, getting frustrated. You know, you can just tell by the way a guy puts up his hand and calls for the ball. You know, the way the guy fights for position. The way how quickly he moves when he gets the ball. These are all things you got to look at, you know, when talking about how aggressive a guy is, body language, you know, beyond the box score, as I always say. And Zoo just, these are the type of games that get him to be questioned by a lot of Clipper fans. You know what I'm saying? I'm not one of those, really. I trust Zoo, but, you know, this could be a thing that we find out later down the line with Kawhi and Paul at the highest levels. I'm talking championship and conference finals if we're lucky enough to be healthy enough to get there next season. You know, these these are things that can be exposed. You know, he did not deter anyone at the rim early tonight. He was not the Vince Zubats of normal. He had zero blocks. He had four turnovers. Some terrible, like one terrible handoff where he just didn't know where Terrence Mann was, and they, the Warriors took advantage of that. And there was one, you know, pass to the corner that should have been a bounce pass. It was a chess pass. Curry took the ball. That was in the third quarter. So he just had a very, one of his poorer games of the season, and it's those kind of games that get him questioned because, you know, I think 75% of the time, Zoo plays well. But these are the type of games where he just kind of lays an egg that get people questioning him. But, you know, our first quarter, we were okay. You know, we scored seven points in the first minute and a half. And then in the next 10 minutes to end the first quarter, we only scored 14. But the second quarter was even worse than the first quarter offensively. We only scored 15 points in the second and were outscored 33 to 15. And largely, it was because our bench unit just did not make their open shots. But again, you got to give the Warriors credit. You know what they're going to bring on defense. They have guys that certain guys that can switch, like a Jonathan Kaminga. You know, Damian Lee. I don't. I mean, I watched him last season with the Warriors, and he never stood out on defense or anything. And I, I don't think he's that good of a defender. But Warriors fans, you can let me know. But I never noticed a moment where I was like, oh, Damian Lee's playing great defense tonight, the way I do with Gary Payton Jr. or Kaminga or. Or Clay Thompson or Andrew Wiggins, who really stood out last year on that end and, you know, kind of started his changing of the way he plays into this defensive stopper for the Warriors that we're seeing even more so this season. But I never had that with Damian Lee. You know, he's just a guy that sometimes he hits shots, sometimes he doesn't. And other than that, he doesn't really do much. And that was kind of the case tonight. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I really thought that that was, wow, I'm so stupid. I thought that was Damian Lee the whole time. It was Moses Moody tonight. But he actually has some good length, Moses Moody. Jesus Christ. I thought that was Damian Lee. No, Moses Moody. Yeah, he was pretty impressive. Four of six from the field, 10 points. But overall, that second quarter, Clipper fans, we just could not hit. You know, a couple of possessions, we just shot quick jump shots, you know, where we should have been more patient, working the ball around. The Warriors are going to be good defensively. They are going to have some good uh, switchable switchable guys that can guard multiple positions. They, you know, Looney and Bielitsa did a really good job today of playing drop coverage, uh, you know, just stepping up just enough to make sure Reggie Jackson and Luke Kennard don't have clean looks coming off screens. And guys like Juan Toscano Anderson, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, they all fight over the screen, you know, making sure that, 
They're not, you know, not making Bielitsa play a two-on-one situation in that drop coverage. And then obviously when they hedge, they do a good job of rotating as well. So they know where their coverage is. They know how to guard. Their rotations are sharp. And they can do a variety of things. And when Draymond and Iguodala come back and Otto Porter, they're going to be able to switch even more guys onto different kinds of players and blow up schemes. So, you know, they're going to be dangerous come playoff time. It's all really dependent on Draymond Green and when he can come back and how many games he gets under his belt before the playoffs. And, you know, Klay Thompson, he did get better as the game went on. But I just don't know if they're going to be able to have, are going to be able to have him shooting so much when guys like Steph, you know, for example, tonight Steph shot 12 times and Clay shot 23. Now, I know that's a large reason in large part because Curry doesn't like forcing shit and he's the one getting schemed and getting doubled off every screen and whatever. But still, that distribution, it just cannot be it cannot be 11 shots in Clay's favor like that in the playoffs, you know what I'm saying? Steph needs to be a little bit more on ball in the playoffs and more aggressive. I know, you know, Kerr, he likes to experiment. And he likes to get guys in rhythm and get guys confident for that long haul. And ultimately, the Warriors won tonight very comfortably, so it didn't matter. And in the second quarter, a big reason why they pushed, took advantage of our quick shots. You know, Amir Coffey, one of the guys that just couldn't get going uh, tonight, took some quick shots and was 3 for 11, 0 of 4 from 3. Luke Kennard, you know, that's a guy I don't really have a problem with taking certain shots because like what's really a bad shot for Luke it's more that's more about time and place but you know in a, in a moment where we can't score Luke taking a semi-contested three I don't mind you know three of eight from deep tonight for him four of 11 11 points not his best night and then Terrence man he just could not buy a bucket at all you know he missed a contested layup that he usually makes he missed mid-ranges he airballed a corner three and that those that moment or those, those minutes where the Clippers went cold, that's when the Warriors took advantage in transition. And, you know, it wasn't fast break sort of classic, you know, Clay and Steph transition threes galore in transition. It was just more picking up the pace off a miss. You know, your defense is in scramble mode. And, you know, anyone that's played basketball, you know, even at any level or even at pickup, you can, you, you, you want to score more or you're more energized to score when you get stops and you're more energized to play defense when you score. You know what I'm saying? And I, I remember, you know, being a kid in fourth grade when you haven't touched the ball in a while, you know, you're not that interested in playing defense right now. You haven't touched the ball. You're not engaged. You get a shot in, you see the ball go and you're like, all right, let's go. You know, let's get a stop. You know, anybody knows the feeling. You know, basketball is a game of momentum. Sports are all momentum, but basketball especially is such a momentum game. I always say this one possession affects the next. You know, you make shots, you get your defense set, but you also get that confidence of having scored. You know, okay, settle down. Let's get a stop. Let's talk, boys. You know, you get that moment to, you know, look at everybody and talk to everybody down the court, you know, if you're hustling back. Um, as opposed to, you know, when you miss, you have to scramble in transition. You don't get a chance to talk. And the other team's like, okay, we got to stop. Let's score. And once we score, okay, let's get a stop. Let's build a run. So, you know, that was happening for the Warriors tonight in the second quarter. And Reggie Jackson, you know, it's really so dependent on if Reggie and Marcus Morris Sr. play well. And Reggie tonight, 2 of 14 from the field and 1 of 5 from 3. You know, when he doesn't turn that corner hard, and, you know, he got a couple of Shot, uh, floaters in the lane some he made some he missed where he did turn that corner but when he doesn't like when he doesn't turn that corner hard and sometimes you know once oh Zeus send me another screen let me back it up send me another screen oh I don't like that one let me just pull it back out I'm trying to turn that corner I'm gonna pull it back out and dance a little bit and shoot a contested three and you know when he does that it just really can kill kill our offensive flow and he did a lot of that the other night against New York and you know I love Reg so I'm always gonna back him never gonna slander him but he can really dilly-dally on the ball sometimes, and it can kill our offense. And Marcus Morris Sr., he just the Warriors just had too much size and speed and athleticism for him. 
uh, to really take advantage of mismatches and get clean looks. And he was 4 of 11 from the field, 0 of 3 from 3. And that's the thing about the Warriors. You know, they don't have a rim protector, but their defense is preventing line drives, staying in front of their man, really sitting down and guarding. And, you know, I really enjoyed... You know, I enjoy watching them play because they're one of the only teams in this league that plays differently than everybody else, which is, you know, just a high, heavy dose of pick and roll. And, you know, we, we're pretty creative offensively, but we're not, you know, that crazy from everybody else, you know, in terms of style. We just kind of play the right way or a good modern basketball team. Ty Lue, you know, knows the game has changed and, and he's a smart coach. I think Ty Lue could be a great coach if you transported him to 2000 style of play too. I think he's a basketball mind. And, you know, I think we play the right way for today's NBA, but I think that there are some times where I'm like, Dude, give the ball to Zoo in the post. He's got a small guy on him. Give it Isaiah. You know, little things like that. Stop being allergic to mid-ranges. And, you know, sometimes we go a little bit too small. But that's the NBA now. But the Warriors, you know, they're such a breath of fresh air because they have so many guys that move without the ball. And, you know, Steph is so selfless. Like tonight, he only shot 12 shots. There were times where he sat out for really large stretches. I don't know if he's, you know, nursing a little bit of an injury or whatnot. You know, at this point of the season, you just really want to make sure he's healthy going into the playoffs because he still could be the best player in the world. And I think this year, more than any year that I've watched basketball and maybe in my entire life, this year, the title of best player in the world is so inconclusive that this playoffs will really decide if one guy can rise above the rest. You know, I think Giannis has a great shot to win the championship again. I think Steph Curry has a great shot to win the championship again. I think Kevin Durant, if the mandate's lifted, has a chance to win a championship again. And I think Nikola Jokic, sadly, the other player in this debate, does not have a chance to win the championship this year because Jamal Murray's not back. But Joel Embiid and James Harden have a hell of a chance to win the championship this season. But anyway, to end it off, there, you know, Jordan Poole really got going in that second quarter. And sometimes he does things that like look like an all-star. You know, you go back to the to the game at Stable Center that they beat us. The third quarter was a pool party. And the second quarter was the end of the second quarter was the pool party tonight. You know, he hits shots off the catch. You know, he can make shots going to the rim. Really acrobatic finishes. He had this one up and under that was just beautiful tonight. And He's shifty, man. You know, Ricky G in the space that we had the other week talked about him being uh, a ball pounder, and that's kind of gotten him, you know, a little bit out of favor with Steve Kerr sometimes and whatnot. But tonight he was really in his bag, and, you know, when when guys are closing out hard and he's going downhill and has the ability to make all these leaners and, and acrobatic shots around the rim, this is going to come in handy come playoff time. You can never have... I mean, actually, I was about to say you can never have too many shot creators, but you can. But when they move the ball quick, the culture of the team is moving the ball quick and, you know, moving without the ball and nobody holding it for too long, which is I think that's what Jordan Poole was getting penalized for by Steve Kerr. That's what makes them special. That's what makes it work. So, anyway... Warriors kicked our ass, you know, going into the half. I, I like the looks we were getting in the third quarter. We were getting much better looks, but we just could not capitalize, guys. We Luke Kennard, open three, couldn't capitalize. Reggie Jackson, open three, couldn't capitalize. It just wasn't our night, and it just disappointed that I've had to say that, you know, I didn't go live for the Knicks game, but I'm. if I were to go live, if I was to go live last time, I would have said the same thing. It just wasn't our night shooting the ball. It's rare in the NBA with a team this solid that you have two of those nights you know, and it wasn't a back-to-back. Two games with a day in between of rest. So that was just whack. You know, I thought Nico Batum was our only bright spot. Really active hands on defense. Was our best defender. He still was efficient. 17 points on 6 of 11 shooting and 3 of 7 from deep. But, you know, our lack of being able to make shots, 
in that third quarter. We could have cut the game to around 15-14. But then Jordan Poole again came back in and started lighting us up. You know, deep from deep. The the reverse layup as I talked about. Uh, and then Klay Thompson, you know, coming off curls, getting into the mid-range and hitting tough shots. And, you know, I want to say Clay's never been the, the the fastest guy in terms of, you know, quick step, taking you off the dribble. You know, he has had some nice dunks in the past when he gets all the way, but he's not a get-to-the-rim kind of guy, you know, when it comes to all the way. You know, he likes those leaners and stopping on a dime from, like, stopping 8 feet, 10 feet short, looking for some bank shots and stuff like that. He's just not like a you know, get downhill acceleration kind of guy. He's more of a creating space kind of guy. And, you know, when he's got that, that actually is easier to guard for bigger guys like an Isaiah Hartenstein, if you can slide with him well enough. And he was able to get two stops on clay, uh, just putting a hand up. And I think that's part of the reason why clay, um, some people have doubts about him as being a number one scorer on like a, 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 if he, if he were to have his own team and just being an elite scorer off the bounce. Um, I think he has enough juice and skill to just make shots off creating space um definitely not the form he's in right now obviously i wouldn't have clay thompson lead his team right now but you know you know in his prime before he got hurt um we don't know if we're ever going to see those kind of days again i think he'll have those games for sure in the playoffs and in the future but will he ever regain that all-star form that remains to be seen we're gonna have to see next season but as long as he maybe he'll find it in the playoffs you never know i mean he is a big game player and he was starting to hit as the, as the game went on in the third quarter and in the fourth quarter you know once we missed uh an open three or two ty pulled the plug and you know if to be to be uh fair rodney hood semi ojale and those guys brought brandon boston jr put up a little fight um, in the fourth quarter in terms of cutting it down and making the score look respectable. That was the only quarter that we won, 36-26. But we lost the third quarter, 32-25, and that really sealed our fate. And especially the first two minutes of the third quarter, we went from 18th to down 24. And, you know, we're already playing, playing, uh, having an uphill battle there. So to read the lines, the final score, 112-97. The Warriors win the season series against the Clippers, three games to one. We move on to 34-33. and Nico Batum, as I said, 17 points on 6 of 11. Marcus Morris Sr., 11 points, 4 of 11, and 0 of 3 from deep. Two bad games in a row for Sr., just not enough. And defensively, you know, he's one of our weaker links. He gets blown by a lot, doesn't have the foot speed, and doesn't really offer any resistance around the rim. Zubats, one of his worst games in a while. As I said, 0 of 6, 4 points, and 4 turnovers. Uh, Reggie, 2 of 14, 5 points. And then Terrence, seven points on two of nine. We only shot 35.5% from the field. You know, that's just bad shots. You know, getting flustered in the second quarter, shooting quick shots, um, missing open shots, and then, of course, Warrior defense. Other than that, Isaiah Hardenstein, 10 points, six rebounds, four assists, two steals, and a block on four of five shooting. So he was actually pretty good. I know, though, some of those were in garbage time, so it's made his stats look better. But... Let's go to the Warriors stats. Andrew Wiggins, really solid game on both ends of the floor tonight. Really felt his presence on the defensive end. 14 points and 11 rebounds. By the way, good amount of hand checking being let go tonight on both ends. And some, you know, around the rim, not calling stuff. I thought that the game was officiated a little bit too loosely. But you know me, I like when they let him play. But, you know, it's just weird watching one game like that and then going to another game and they call everything, you know. Um, especially on the perimeter. But... Anyways, it was fair for both teams, not complaining. Uh, 14 points, 11 rebounds. Andrew Wiggins, it's more of a playoffs, playoff style called game. 6 of 14 from the field. Kevon Looney, you know, he actually had something that I have not seen in so long, guys. A good, hard screen. I watched. The, I was watching the 2008 playoffs with one of my friend, uh, my friend Oceans, that we did the Kobe video. We're actually, we're actually, remember, for anybody that's asking, that has asked us, 
where's the why how Kobe won back to back finals video because we did the why Kobe's Lakers lost two finals uh, in 04 and 08. We are doing an even more in depth watch. Um, we did all of we watched all of Kobe's playoff games in 08, and we're gonna watch all of them in 09 and rewatch the finals and then 2010 as well, and then make the video on it. So it'll be coming. I don't know when, but maybe it may, may take another year or so. And then, of course, when we get there in the timeline, years down the line, we'll obviously go through all the games themselves. But I was watching that, and Rasheed Wallace set such a hard screen, and I remember thinking, like, damn, I never say that anymore. Good hard screen. Like these little little things of the game that like a basketball junkie like me loves. But, you know, unfortunately it was against us tonight. But Kevon Looney hit a screen on Reggie Jackson where he leveled him. And I was like, hey, man, that's a good hard screen. And Kevon Looney, you know, he's just a really good guy to have. You know, he 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 makes – he's gotten better in those pick-and-roll reads on the short roll when they trap Steph Curry all the time. And, you know, he plays really intelligent defense, solid rim protector, great screener, good in drop coverage, good length, you know, intelligent player for the most part, as far as I know. I mean, he he did play really solid minutes in that 2018 finals run, especially in that Rocket series, and did a good job switching on to certain guys, even James Harden, um, those two years. So, Kevon Looney, very underrated player. He's having a really good year. Seven points, six rebounds, and six assists. And then Steph, 15 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. But if you're a casual, you say you have a great game. This is all because of Steph. This this system all revolves around Steph. You know, we're worried about him. We're throwing two guys at him. You know what I'm saying? You take him out of the equation. They can move him off the ball. I just don't think it works with the same with that same. Because who's starting? Now Jordan Poole's starting. We're scheming him? Totally different. So, you know, you got to look at the effect he has and how he's so okay with casual people saying, oh, look at Steph Curry's stat line tonight. 5 of 12. He didn't really do anything. I mean, you know, this is the problem with modern fans is you need to understand when guys are eating, you got to let them eat because as a great player, you can always get yours. You're going to have that time down the line where it's going to be time that you're going to have to get yours. This is the time to let other guys get their confidence, let other guys get their rhythm. A guy like Klay Thompson who's missed two years of basketball, you know, yeah, he shot 23 shots. It was inefficient. But they won. They beat us by 15. And Steph Curry, you think that if you, if you think that if that they could win like that with Steph Curry not playing, you're foolish. Because again, going back to the classic Ricky G line, who's catching the fucking schemes? Steph Curry is the is on the game plan. We're, we're you know what I'm saying for every team, and everything is possible because of his off ball movement. You know what I'm saying? That system exists because of him, and it maximizes the rest of the team while also making him da- more dangerous. That that doesn't mean. That his stats get maximized, though. That's what people get twisted. And a lot of Curry fans get on Curry for that shit. It's not about Curry's stats. Greg Popovich killed Tim Duncan and Tony Parker's stats. People don't even think Tim B- Tony Parker was like, like that. They think that, oh, Chris Paul was always way better. Bro, I watched Tony Parker and Chris Paul play against each other in their primes uh, on my team. And uh, let's just tell, let me just tell you this is closer than you remember. Um, and that's because a lot of things that people would say about Tim Duncan and Tony and Manu, their stats weren't that good. But that's because they played such a team style of basketball as an everybody eats system. It's the same with the Warriors. And you need very selfless stars to play that brand of basketball because Steph Curry has now fallen out of the MVP race, but he may be the one that wins the MVP that matters most in the end. We'll see. But letting people eat is very important. Because if you wanna, when guys are eating and you wanna still go out, let me get my twenty. You know, I'm not, I'm not really. My stats don't look good. Let me pad them things. Why? That may kill the flow of your teammates. That may, you know, stagnate 
the process in terms of if you guys are blowing a team out and everybody's eating, everyone's moving the ball. Oh, but you want to get yours. You want to s- slow it down. And, you know, maybe you win by, you know, 10 points. Uh, the, the, the other team cuts it down and you win by only 10 points. What's the point? You know what I'm saying? Like, just so you can get yours. It's, and, and real stars, I don't want to say real stars, but real selfless stars don't care about that kind of stuff. And Steph Curry falls into that category. Um, one of six from three, five of 12 in the field. And, you know, when he was missing some of those threes a couple times, I was like, he hasn't shot in a minute. Of course he's going to miss. You know what I'm saying? I knew he was going to miss. He hasn't shot. Even the greatest shooter of all time needs some rhythm shots. Nemanja Bielitsa, I thought, played pretty well tonight too, though. Um, five points, two of five from the field, and one of two from three. But I thought he was decent in drop coverage. He was plus 12. And Kuminga, I mean, that reverse dunk he had against uh, Hartenstein was beautiful. He's a hell of a player. I've talked about him before. He defends. He's got great length. He's getting more confident on the, on the ball. You know, he, he reminds me of Siakam, Giannis type of player. You know, really long, can handle the ball, can guard a lot of different positions, great length, athletic. DR Congo. Uh, 21 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists on 7 of 12 shooting and 2 of 3 from 3. And then Jordan Poole, 20 points, 8 of 13 shooting, 4 of 6 from 3. So that's the game there. LeBron, 56 points the other night against Golden State. Incredible performance, but it came at the expense of him resting last night or not playing, and they lost. So just like that. And then Russell Westbrook with his comments. Um, By the way, so it is very impressive that what LeBron uh, is able to do still at this age. Um, Incredible. But... You know, Russell Westbrook com- commenting about the fans and the death threats and all that. Nina Westbrook, his wife, tweeting about it and everything. Uh, it just really goes to show how bad the Russell Westbrook situation has gotten and how much of a disaster this move has been. It's tough to see because I'm a Russ fan. But he- he's been playing so poorly, especially, you know, in the new year. It's really hard. You know, Laker fans are really harsh. They expect a lot. And, you know, this team had championship expectations. You know, they were the favorites going into the season out of Vegas with that big three after seeing Russ average a triple-double in Washington and leading him to that eighth seed. So, and, you know, this is the first time in Russ's career he's the third best player on the team, and he's really failed miserably. And, you know, he's had chances without AD, without LeBron, even without both like last night, and it just can't go his way. His jump shot is just nowhere to be seen. His mid-range is worse than it's ever been, and it's just tough scenes. And, you know, I, I, there's still no excuse, though, for people to be, you know, de- sending death threats, you know, from your little anonymous accounts, you know. It's just you have, a, you have no life. You never said someone's face. And you just, because of social media these days, you have, the, you have the power of anonymity to send people whatever the fuck you want with no consequences. And it's disgraceful. It's disgusting. Laker fans can really cross the line. But there's toxic seeds in every fan base. Um, so I don't think it's just a complete reflection of Laker fans. Uh, Russ needs to step it up. They're still in the play-in. They're not done until they're eliminated for for good. And he just needs to step it up, point blank, period. Uh, Lakers play again tomorrow. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be live after that one. Oh, actually, I'm not going to be live because I'm going to be at the game tomorrow, Clippers-Wizards, thanks to Rui. She gave me a free ticket, so shout-out, Rui. Um, I was going to give another shout-out. But I'm also I don't I don't remember it right now, but I will say this: Russell Wilson being traded from the Seahawks to the Broncos. Shout out to my boy Matthew. That's who it was. Shout out to my boy Matthew, uh, big time Broncos fan. Uh, he wanted to. That was one of the teams that recruited uh, Old Dime before the Rams came to town to try to be a fan of their team. Russell Wilson, man, this reminds me of when the Broncos got Manning. That's what he told me too today. Um, but the king of Seattle. You know what can you say? I remember when he was drafted. Um, you know, in that class with RG3 and I forget which other quarterback. Was it Andrew Luck? Andrew Luck and RG3 and then him. And he's ended up having the better career, best career of all three. 
you know, lost that, uh, I'm sorry, won that first game in Washington. I think that was the game that RG3 tore his, was it his Achilles or his ACL? And then obviously went on to win that Super Bowl against the Broncos uh, in the 2013 season, 2014 Super Bowl. And then the following year, one of my favorite Super Bowls where he had one of the biggest, most famous interceptions in the history of the NFL, uh, Malcolm Butler on the goal line. But Russell Wilson, I actually got the pleasure of my first NFL game watching him play. And, you know, it's impressive how how not tall that guy is. And, you know, over the course of his Seattle Seahawks tenure, he didn't have very good O-lines most of the time. And that's something I noticed from playing against him when we got a team. And he just found ways to make something out of nothing so much, you know, in scramble mode and with his height and being able to make the plays that he that he makes. It's just unbelievable. Uh, he's, a, he's definitely an all-timer, um, at least in this generation, one of the best. And it's going to be crazy that he's gone from Seattle. I expect whatever he plays there, uh, if he does get them next season, I don't know. The Broncos are AFC, so I don't know if they will, but it's going to be crazy when he goes back to Seattle at some point of his career. He's going to get an amazing ovation. Uh, he was the man, and he'll always be remembered as a Seahawk. <laughs> but we'll see what he does with Denver. But anyway, that's it for me tonight, guys. Now we're going to go to the live subscribers waiting oh so patiently in the chat. I also do want to say, guys, as much as I hate them, the 76ers are looking really dangerous with this combo. I mean, putting Harden next to Embiid was a great, great fit. The only concern I have, Tobias Harris, when he becomes a spot-up shooter like we saw in 2019, that's when he chokes. You know, he also chokes even when he's not a spot-up shooter sometimes, but even more so now, Harden needs to be very careful. They make him a spot-up shooter, he will choke and become the scapegoat. I can promise you that. Other than that, you know, the Bulls also losing like 0-14 against top three seeds on each side, on each conference. They need Lonzo Ball Caruso back, you know, to really, I think, to really judge them fully. And I think that their expectation will just be to win a first-round series. But just making it to the playoffs is guaranteed a good season. They're going to have a lot to build off. They've had an injury plagued year for the most part in terms of starters being out. But I still think they should win a first-round series. But don't look now, but those Boston Celtics are coming. Jason Tatum's playing amazing basketball lately. He's hitting his jump shots. And he's being more aggressive, and other guys are hitting shots. The addition of Derek White was big. Everyone's defending. Rob Williams has been healthy. Marcus Smart's been healthier. And they've really gained that defensive chemistry. Grant Williams is shooting over 40% from deep. I mean, it's all clicking for Boston. They could be a dark horse in the playoffs. And going back on that upwards trajectory that we had them on in 2020. So that's it for me tonight, guys. We'll talk more about the playoff picture and all that as the season progresses. Thanks for joining me. 30 minutes on the dot. Let's go to the live subscribers waiting so patiently in the chat. Thanks, and make sure to leave a comment and a review.